Right now, Cholula, one of America's favorite hot sauces, is teaming up with Jack in the Box for the Cholula Buttery Jack. With Cholula hot sauce, crispy jalapenos, and pepper jack cheese on a signature bun. Try it with Cholula fries. Jack! Can you cool it with the guitar, please? Sorry, just got a little uh, excited about the burger. <clears throat> Try the Cholula Buttery Jack from Jack in the Box. Part of the Buttery Jack family. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Unbelievable. I'm done. I'm done. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude being heard live on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and of course, being seen on YouTube and Facebook Live. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Man. What a day, what a day. It's good to see you guys this morning. Michelle, my Spanish queen. Bethany, good to see you. My man, Jeremy, or not my man. Bethany, you're not my man. Jeremy's my man. Bethany, you're my own girl. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic day, but first things first. Uh, this morning, I am, I, I, as, I, as promised, every time we do the show, I start with my gratitude before we ask our guest what they're grateful for. And for me, I am grateful for another opportunity. Um, I'm reading this book called, um, oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh no, I just forgot the name of it. That's terrible. Oh my gosh, how did I forget the name of the book? But it's basically, oh, hold on, I gotta be back. I can't do this to myself. Oh yeah. The Richest Man in Babylon. Jeez, golly, I can't believe I forgot the name. But I'm reading the book, and one of the things it was ta- one of the chapters talks about luck and how you can create your own luck, and it, it kind of goes on and on and on about somebody gambling and riding Lady Luck and stuff like that. But really, what it is is opportunity is where you get to create your luck. And you know, I've always been one of those people that have said. All I need is an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. And again, I'm being blessed with another opportunity to be on stage and having the opportunity to co-host the World Network's uh, Entrepreneur Awards. And it's such a blessing because it just happened yesterday. I had the founder on the show and next thing I know, she's asking me to co-host. And it's, it's just such a blessing and it's just, to me... It's, 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 it's not even that, you know, getting paid for it. It's not about a status thing. It's that it just shows that if you put the effort in and you put the work in, then you're going to get opportunities. And, and sometimes that's all you need. And that's all you need. I mean, remember, I've shared the story a million times. When I was homeless, 
and I was wanting to end it, I had a call, I got a call about giving me an opportunity to help produce the Emmys. Like, and, and that was enough to inspire me. And then when I went there, I ended up meeting some other people and then it, and it fueled my fire and it helped me keep going. So sometimes it's just about opportunities. And, and so today I am grateful for another amazing once in a lifetime opportunity um, that had I not just listened to God and, and, and headed west from Oklahoma, this would have never happened. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I am so excited about today's guest. Listen, I kind of mock and uh, I don't mock, but I, <clears throat> the whole motivational speaker thing doesn't do a lot for me because it's just head motivation, you know? But so it's very rare that I just gravitate towards somebody. Lauren Harris is somebody that when I listen to him speak, I'm just drawn to him. But immediately when I heard our guest that's coming on the show speak, the way he commanded the audience, the way that he was just able to deliver his message right into the center of your brain, it held my attention. And as you guys know, it's really hard to do that. So it was a tremendous, like it was so exciting for me. And then getting to meet him and talk with him, I'm like, there's no way he's coming on my show. But uh, sure enough, he is. He's here. So I want to read you guys really, really quick. Uh, David D. Giorgio is an unapologetic speaker, author of the soon-to-be-released Being Unapologetic. He's a TEDx coach, a creator of the speaker experience at Sea. As a longtime theater producer, creator, educator, and visionary leader, he is on a mission to discover, develop, and deliver powerful messages and ideas worth spreading around the world. His unapologetic approach oh shit, <laughs> has made him the go-to creative expert for an on-purpose on creatives, leaders, visionaries, and experienced creators who want to go from being unheard and uncertain to unforgettable and unstoppable speakers and global leaders. Uh, you can check him out at delivervision.com. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a great pleasure. And I will address all of the Facebook audience. You guys are lovely. It's good to see you. We'll say hi in a second. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, David DiGiorgio. Follow me anywhere with that kind of a you know lead up. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, dude, you had an effect on me, and I don't. Everyone knows, like Charles, Tia, Robert, uh, Bonnie, Mary Ellen, Jim, the Ninja, uh, <laughs> like everyone that's Heidi, Pinky, every one of them that are watching know that I don't give fake compliments. And you're somebody that stuck to my head. In fact, I'm going to show you something. Nice. I kept it. It's hanging right here so I can look at it. I'm an, an ambitious, extraordinary, and inspiring visionary. Yes, you are, my friend. So I, I never forgot it, ever. I, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of yours, so it's just like, it's so cool for me to have you on the show. But first things first, David, what are you grateful for this morning? Man, well, I am so grateful for you for uh, just sharing your message with the world and giving people like me the opportunity to share my message around the world. I'm doing, uh, I'm living out my miracle right now, is like, as I like to put it. And um, it's amazing to come across people like you, you know, in, a, in an audience, and then you see other people shining bright and you shine the spotlight on them. This is what it's all about. So I'm so grateful to be able to share my message and to have you being out there recognizing that and helping other people to shine bright too. So thank you. 
I, I, yeah, and I, I thank you for acknowledging that. But I, again, I am a huge fan. And I, I asked this question with I asked this question with another visionary yesterday. All of a sudden, all of these visionaries are starting to come in my circle, and it's amazing because I love collaborating with them. But you also are a visionary. When did you know that that was your gift, or when did you accept that? It, when did you first notice it was a gift, and when did you acknowledge that? Hey, this is a real thing. This is something I get to use. I think. I know, actually, early in life, very early, I remember being five or six, and my dad was a custodian, a head custodian at an elementary school. And he would bring home things, you know, tennis balls that he'd find on the, the roof and a variety of things. And one day he brought home a little keyboard that I guess the music teacher was throwing out. It was like this 70s keyboard, maybe 12, 15 keys on it, little piano keyboard. And, um, I started playing it, and I had no instruction or anything, and um, my parents always told me when I was born, the nurse said, oh my gosh, this one's going to be a piano player, and my parents said, impossible, nobody's musical, we're immigrants, we don't, like, music is a joke, he's got to be a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, and there I was, and so I think I knew in that moment um, that I had something different or unique or special or or that I recognized what I had that was different, unique and special. And I think for a lot of life I considered it almost a curse because nobody wants to be different, you know. Because <laughs> that sucks. You know, going through school being different is not actually a cool thing. Right. And um, I I think as I started to grow up, I remember another moment in my life when I was uh, owner co-owner of a yoga studio, which, uh, as I, and you heard me say this, I think, in my talk, is, was the worst experience of my life. But I, um, I remember talking to, the, to my business partner at the time and said, you know, we are the people who draw the wheel and we give it out to someone else. We're not the cog in the wheel. Right. You know? And so I think throughout my life, I've always been that. And what's interesting, I think, for me, maybe that's different than some other visionaries, is that... I, uh, throughout my upbringing, had other people see it and call it out in me. So when I was in sixth grade, I wanted to be in the choir, and Barbara LaPlante, God bless her, the, the choir teacher said to me, David, you're going to be the accompanist. And I'm like, I just want to sing. And so there I was at 12 years old, the youngest accompanist in the district, you know, playing piano for all of the choirs and stuff. So it's happened over and over and over in my life where people are like, David, you have something. You've got to go out and do bigger things. You know. Meanwhile, I'm just saying, no, I just I want to play small. But you can't anymore. And that's why now with this whole unapologetic movement that I'm creating, it's like, okay, no more playing small. I will not allow you and people like you to play small. But yeah, that's a long answer to your question. But I think it's always been there. And now I'm, I'm really looking into it. Yeah, and just to address something, Robert, uh, Shamika, good to see you. Just to address something, Robert and Jamie watching, he's not saying he doesn't like being different now. He's saying when you're young and you, you're different, you stick out, you get teased, you get bullied, you get made fun of. Even my big ass got bullied. I mean, and picked on and made fun of because I was different. So I don't, it's not, he's not saying now he doesn't accept it. Now he's, he's fully embracing it, hence the unapologetic movement. 
And, and he really does help people step into their power. It's incredible to see. I, I had it, and it was everything from, I would, I would notice trends ahead of time with like fashion, like weird stuff. And I, I didn't even know I was really into fashion or into different styles or trends. Like I would see it coming before. And like I would be an early adapter. The thing that I always had trouble with, with my vi- being a visionary and not really understanding it, is I would see, like I would work with a brand or a company and I would go, this is where they need to go. And then I would put it out there, not knowing there was any value and it would make them angry. It would piss them off. They would, they would fire me. <laughs> and then they would take my idea and use it. And then all of a sudden they're hugely successful. I'm like, what the heck is this? And it took somebody, it was, it's been six months but it took them looking at me going, you're a visionary. And for me to go and just immediately started bawling. That was the first time I fully accepted it. So I've ran from it for a long time because I thought it was a curse. So I agree with you. Yeah, and as you said, you know, I'm, I'm watching all the people. Hey, Pony, by the way. Hi, and Pony. Good um, to see you. Shanika, Charles, so many. And Mary Ellen. When I was a kid, I was severely bullied. In fact, I was so bullied because I was like, so I was eight years old and reading Beethoven's biography. And like, I was just, I was one of those weird, weirdo kids. <laughs> and I was so severely bullied that I almost didn't make it through high school. Oh my God. So at that point, like for me, different was the curse, right? Like I just wanted to be like everybody else. On top of everything, you know, back in the eighties, I was kid of an immigrant, which is not so unusual, but in a, in a waspy community, I, you know, it was really interesting because Everyone was bringing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to, to, to lunch. And I had, you know, salami and mortadella and tuna sandwiches. I'm like, I just want to be like everybody else. Can we have turkey instead of lasagna for Thanksgiving? I mean, that's the extreme to which what I grew up in, right? And um, so there was a lot of programming to un- undo as I, as I grew up. You know, I'm now I'm 42. It's taken a lot of work to get there. Yeah. To really embrace all of it and shine the light on other people to embrace that, that different. It's so funny too, like when you're younger, I'm wondering if this is the same for you, but we, you know, spent so much time trying to fit in and be like everybody else. And that was the height of my insecurity, but it wasn't until I was like, no, I like being different. I like being uniquely me and owning that. Then all of a sudden now I have real friends. Like it's the strangest thing because for years I just wanted to fit in so bad and not get made fun of and not get teased. And then all of a sudden then I'd be me and I step into like, here's all my scars, here's everything. And now all of a sudden I have genuine real friendships and I feel love and I'm able to give love for the first time. But yet I told myself for years I wasn't lovable because I was different, I was weird, I was whatever. And that's one of the beautiful blessings of being unapologetic in the definition that I subscribe to. But just like embracing your miracle, embracing all of you fully, and then just watching what happens. The miracle unfolds. Let me ask you something. So on stage, if everyone that's listening right now, like Charles, Jimmy the Ninja, Bonnie, uh, Pony, Mary Ellen, like if you guys have not, Charles, if you guys haven't seen David on stage, David has this amazing command of the audience that I've never seen anyone have. Where did that come from? Where did you get the balls to go, I'm going to, I'm basically going to 
control the audience and tell them what to do. Where'd that come from? I gotta tell you, I think it's so interesting. So, um, you know, as I said, I started in musical theater. I uh, acquired musical theater. I I became, I was a composer at 19. I published a musical in Canada. I'm originally from Toronto. And I, so I've worked for over 20 years in musical theater. And so let's just take a look for a second at musical theater. It is actors singing lyrics, which I don't know if you've read lyrics lately. They're completely gibberish abstract. <laughs> standing ovations. Sometimes they happen, sometimes they don't. Then combine that, so I've been in entertainment my entire life. As a producer, I was a successful theater producer for a long time, I was pitching television shows, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I also, at the same time while I was doing that, thought I want to do something good in the world, so I became a music teacher in a high school, so I was the head of a music department in a high school for 10 years, working with people who are super non-communicative high school students. It's not their fault, right? It's their frontal lobe and all that stuff. But So I started to figure out, okay, communication and storytelling. When I moved here to San Diego, my dream city, mm-hmm. I started to observe. Uh, so let me tell you, for something that people aren't, aren't in the, I call it the triangle, uh, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego, uh, Las Vegas, you could literally be at an event every day of the week. Yeah. An entrepreneurial event, conference, and it's so bizarre for someone, I mean, I know you're from the Midwest, right? I'm Oklahoma. Not it's not like that. It's just not like that. And so I started going to these events, and I saw these extraordinary people, some of them making a lot of money, entrepreneurs, visionaries, all sorts of amazing people get on stage and be terrible. And I thought, what on earth is happening here? What is going on? These people should be good, right? They're always on stage. They speak around the world. And... So I started to, uh, what I started to see is, you know, people using NLP tactics and formulas and blueprints and whatever, and that simply doesn't work. So back to musical theater, the only thing that works in musical theater is authenticity, honesty, and owning it completely. So as a speaker coach, people find this a little bit upsetting when I say this. People actually don't care what you say. yourself to the world who you're being makes the difference right and especially in musical theater when they're singing gibberish let's take Beyonce as a great example she says the same word over and over and over again in any one of her songs multiple times and yet we still buy her stuff right we love certain patterns of repetition she owns who she is unapologetically I just decided okay I've got to come out from behind the curtain and own this to show people what it looks like to be a world changer, a trailblazer, a speaker that inspires audiences. And really it was just the decision that, okay, I'm gonna show you what it looks like. Um, and spending, I guess, my whole life training other people and doing it, seeing what doesn't work. I, But the thing is, and it's done so, it's not gentle and it's and it is, it's in your face, but it's not offensive. It's strange, it's, it's, it's very, I don't know if poetic is the word, but I honestly, I, if it would have been anyone else that told me to commanded me the way that you did in the audience, I would have been like, who's this guy? <laughs> but for some reason, I'm like, okay. 
I'll do exactly what he said. And I think what's interesting is that I also think the source is very important. So where you come from and who you're being with an audience is super important. And I think that's where some speakers, entrepreneurs, business owners miss the boat. Um, you don't necessarily know my intentions, but you can feel it. And I, I always use look. I always use music as the example because it's the easiest way for me to describe it. Whether you liked him or not, I think everybody can agree that there was something very special about Michael Jackson. The True. way he showed up, even if you see him speaking in that movie, that the last movie that he was in, uh, the documentary of his last show, you see when he speaks to people, there's just this way about him. If you are fully in alignment with that, people are willing to do something for you, with you, right? But it has to be clear and clean, right? Mm. If you want someone to buy something and that's your intention, you're going to have a long road ahead of you. Now, if you want someone to buy someone and that is one step along the way to get them to uh, being unapologetic, to living up their miracle, to being connected to whatever your bigger vision of your business is, people will move for that. And, you know, and it goes back to what Simon Sinek says in this famous talk, right? People don't buy what you do, they buy why. They buy what you believe. I believe what I believe so strongly that you're almost like as an audience member, I don't know what he just said, but I'm, I'm into it. Okay, I got it, you know? And that's the kind of speaker that I want to work with. That's the kind of people that I want to bring up. So, okay, that was actually leads to my next question. Are your favorite, who are your favorite, favorite people to train speak is it um is it is it more business-minded people is it you know creative like what is it like who who do you really really enjoy working with the most so i always say that the people that i really love to work with are the ones who are up to something bigger than just making money these are people who have an idea that is so big that they want to tear their skin off they're like i have to make impact in the world it, right? I. These are the people who want to do the TED Talks, not just because they want the views, mm -hmm. but because they have this idea or a message. People who are idea-driven. Now, to niche it down even more, I love to actually work with, because I'm a creative person, ultimately, my, you know, my star clients are the ones that are creatives or they, they like I'm, I'm talking to a guy now who wants to create sort of a multi-platform talk he's a software designer and imagine like his talk with AI in real time mm. happening and like you know digital stuff going on in the background and I mean you you experience my talk a lot of people say to me David it's like watching a movie while you're speaking and I'm like that's really cool I'm glad that I created that for you and that's what I want to create these multi-dimensional experiences so anyone who wants to create an experience for their audience Sign me up. That gets me excited. <laughs> That's rad. Uh, Jane Stewart, who's a big fan, also fellow Canadian, she says, what has been your most satisfying moment in the entrepreneurial journey? Oh, my gosh. Um, Good question, Jane. You know, that's such a great question. It reminds me, I was sitting beside the amazing um, Brian Smith, the founder of UGG, who lives here. Of UGG, yeah. And... Um, I was at an event with him and I sat beside, I didn't know who he was. I'm not starstruck. Like, honestly, unless it's Ricky Martin or something sitting beside me, I'll have to I'm going to make you jealous then. <laughs> but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but anyway, um, he's sitting beside me and I, 
he said, oh, you know, I'm founder of Agroots. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. And I didn't even really hear it properly. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I said, what was your most, like, amazing moment? Or uh, what was it like? I asked the same question. He said, oh, he didn't even skip a beat. It was mostly terrible. It was just terrible. And then he lit up and he said, but those good moments, the 20% made it worth it. And I really feel the same way. You know, I'm big on celebrating everything. And I think just me celebrating and being visible and really owning my own brand, that right. I am the brand, me, unapologetic me, bullied me is the brand, you know, has been the biggest joy. And, you know, getting up and meeting people like you randomly because I've gotten the opportunity to speak on a stage somewhere and then, you know, look at what happens from that. This, to me, what's happening right here is the best part about the whole thing. I mean, make no mistake, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is hard work. And sure. you just never know. Every day there's a new call that comes in and you're like, oh my goodness, really now I have to figure this out. <laughs> but it's these moments, the connecting and, and people asking amazing questions and that, that makes it all worth it. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 these, there's so many comments. This has been, this is great. Like people are really digging you and digging this. I um. The when you you mentioned being a brand and and really getting to step into that, one of the things that I realized as a visionary is that I had to make myself and position myself in such a way that you couldn't mess with me. Because I do work with brands, because I do work with products, because I do work with human brands, I had to position myself in such a way that if you tried to screw me out of money, which has happened a lot. I mean, the last few years of my life has been miserable for that very reason. And I had to position myself as like, you know what? No more. I'm not allowing a brand I work with to be bigger than me again. And it's not about an ego thing. It's just I've got to protect myself because I realize the thoughts that come out of my head and the things that I share with brands and the way that I'm able to help them sets me up to be screwed with. So and there's in contracts sometimes just don't matter to people. So I had to become the brand that worked with other brands, but I was in a position that you had to pay me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's a learning that's a learning journey, right? Because I think the way we've grown up um, in our age, because I know that we're fairly close to yeah. age, uh, you know, money was like, we don't have a great relationship with money, unfortunately. So we've had to learn in our you know later life is how to attract it keep it manage it yep. you know feel worth it you know yeah um and same thing like the the more it's interesting because the more unapologetic i get about what i'm up to the more people respond <laughs> and i'm like i'm such a i'm a gentle heart i don't want to hurt anybody right i don't want to kill ants on the street like <laughs> i'm so gentle but at the same time i understand it's like we have only a limited amount of time here. Yeah. I don't have time to waste. So if, if you're up to something big, let's go. And I'll invite you into that. And if you're ready, when you're ready, I'll be there for you. But until then, like I've gotta keep I gotta keep this moving. Yeah. Really quick, I wanna give a shout out to the iHeartRadio audience, iTunes, Spreaker, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, welcome, anchor audience. YouTube, welcome. And then, of course, all of you people on Facebook. Robert, good to see you. Nick Harris, my man, welcome. Selena, good to see you. Heidi, Bonnie, uh, Nick, Robert, Charles, Pony, 
James Stewart, welcome you guys. Thank you so much for all your comments and questions. This is terrific. Um, yeah, and it's not an ego thing either by saying, no, you no, you should pay me for this. And and, and for and you're right about the relationship with money. I'm working with Jason Cisneros right now, and he's like teaching me how to <laughs> like like money because I'm not emotional about it. Because my calling is a higher calling and what I want to do for the world, but I forget about that part of, hey, it's going to take money to do that, jackass. <laughs> like, you need money. You need to make a living so you can go do what you want to do for the world. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. So I'm finally getting, I'm starting, I, I've worked with, um, I'm, I'm Noel Malvin has helped me, Jason Cisneros. Like they're working with me and they're helping me like money and like my relationship with it so I can use it to bless other people's lives. But it's taking work. It's not easy because every time, and every time you go to that next level of like, okay, I'm going to increase my prices or whatever it is, something will come up yep. and it'll try to take you out. And you know, for speakers, for any visionary, for any leader, entrepreneur, it's so important that you have a very clean relationship and it comes back to... You know, maybe how you reacted to me speaking is like, I'm just so clean with my energy about the way I speak that there's no shadow of a doubt in your mind. Whether you like me or don't is besides the point. And I always say that to people. My message isn't for everyone necessarily, but you're going to hear it. <clears throat> and, and if you hear it, you'll be able to receive it and internalize it. And that's how I deliver my message so people will internalize it. I'm just the messenger. Yeah. Right. And, and it's the same thing. Like money is just the tool, uh, but it's important. And you know, it's funny. Like, I love that you said that too. I'm in a situation now where sometimes I can see that people, you know, they'll come to me like, well, David, I can't afford you or whatever it is. I said, okay, let's do this. Cause I know there's a learning in this. You pitch me what will work for you. It cannot be a trade. Cause that's a, a disaster for everybody. <laughs> it like, and for those of you who are kind of like, oh no, I do trades all the time. It, trust me, you know, eventually you're gonna to start to see that trades in many cases just don't work, right? There needs to be some sort of, even if you're like giving each other a $5,000 check, I don't care what it is, you have to put the money attached to it to train yourself that this is okay. Like money is not a bad thing. It's just part of this exchange, right? And so I say to people like, pitch me, what, give me, you know, I want this many sessions. This is what I can pay you. Great. You know, because I know it'll allow them to step into their own unapologetic selves and then they'll, they'll find the money. They'll, they'll make it work, you know, and it, it, you're right. It's not all about money, but at the same time, uh, unfortunately we live in a world that it's all about money. So right. we can pretend and be all, you know, so conscious that we're unconscious and be like, oh, no, money is just not. Unfortunately, unless we live in a different world, money is important. <laughs> so <laughs> Bonnie goes, do you want to trade? <laughs> uh, you're funny, Bonnie. Um, did Mar another person, did you, did you get to connect with Marshall Gillen in the audience? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he is terrific. I think he is somebody that is going to set the world on fire in a good way. He, he's somebody that I look to. Um, it's funny, I mean, I, I actually always, I, always, I thought he was a lot younger than me, he's not, but he, incredible human. I just, there's something about this, this, this San Diego, like everything that's around here, there's so many just powerhouse humans that are trying to change the world and they're dynamic and it's like we get we are so blessed to get to learn from all of them and to collaborate with them it, it's just wonderful 
Um, I want to know about this, uh, this, this speaking by the sea. It's, uh, what's it called exactly? Speaker experience at the sea. What is that about? Yeah. So speaker experience at sea is actually, it's a really interesting thing that happened when one morning I was bouncing on my trampoline because you know, you get creative when you bounce on a trampoline. And, um, I was trying to think of a way to bring together amazing humans who have big messages and do something internationally. Originally, the idea was to have a retreat. And then I thought, wait a minute. So my husband has been on like 20 cruises. And I thought, how can I do something that will involve my husband and something that he would love? Like, aha, captive audience is on a cruise ship. So the idea is that over the next several years in rotation, the Speaker Experience at Sea brings amazing visionaries, thought leaders, speakers, entrepreneurs who want to share their message with the world. And we are going to sail the seven continents and the seven seas. So our next experience wow. is uh, May of 2019, and we are setting sail from Dublin to Iceland for no 10 days on a sailing cruise. And uh, attendees get to, there's a couple different ways they can do this. They can work with me if they want to speak in Iceland and Dublin. Uh, there's also a track where it's more just like a mastermind. So we people on board, we just mastermind together at locations. We'll have some speaking engagements where people can go and, and network and meet other people. Sure. Uh, it's just it's just a great way to connect the world. Um, and why not? Like, go knock off your bucket list location. So, like I said, Iceland in 2019. We're looking at Galapagos <clears throat> and Machu Picchu probably in 2020. Antarctica is on the docket. We're going to be sailing seven continents and give people the opportunity to speak on every one of the continents around the planet. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank wow. you. We're having fun doing it. So uh, Tommy says, yeah, it's called, I don't know what he was referring to, but he's called it's called Life on Fire. Uh, What's Life on Fire? Life on Fire... Um, so there's a whole bunch of people. So San Diego, Nick Unsworth is based in San Diego. Okay. And he's attracting a lot of community that I brought. Marshall sort of came in also on the periphery of Life on Fire. Tommy's in Life on Fire. I'm in Life on Fire. It's a it's a community of entrepreneurs. You got to check it out too, actually. Is it is it emotional intelligence? What what is, what what's the there's teaching? Some emotional intelligence in it. Um, basically, what what's happened is Nick Unsworth, who's the guy behind Life on Fire, has figured mm -hmm. out that so he's a business coach. He figured out that his 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 students were not getting the results consistently because there's a missing piece, and that is personal development. Emotional intelligence is part of that. So what he's done is he's built a a company that uses emotional intelligence and personal development as the foundation for business development. And Ooh. it's brilliant. I don't know why anyone else hasn't done this before. And it works really, really well. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Cinnamon, I'll put the link uh, in the comments. Absolutely. That is dadgum, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm now a, um, I'm a fanboy of emotional intelligence because it's, I know. it is really, really changed. It's changed my attitude. It's changed my life. But definitely, I'm, Going through a program now, I'm almost complete. But after I'm done, I'll venture off to Life on Fire because I, I mean, everything you just said about it makes perfect sense to me. So, so tell me, tell me what at this point, like, what is the vision for where you want to go? You I mean you're creating this? You've got the this, the the event at sea, which is terrific, and you've got them planned to night the 2020. You've got the book coming out. 
You're, you're an amazingly creative person. I cannot imagine for the life of me that that is all that's brewing for you. What else is going on in that head of yours that you're creating right now? So um, the book actually launches a life project that Ooh. I've been wanting to do for over 20 years. And so on the back end of the book, Being Unapologetic, which is coming out this summer, is a, a, a project, Project Unapologetic, and I launched it actually last Monday, where, and there's going to be a documentary that comes out about it soon. We're just editing everything together. Wow. Um, so when I was in grade 10, because uh, that's what we called it in Canada, in grade 10, like I said, I, had almost, I almost didn't make it through high school. And it was some teachers and visionaries who saw in me something that got me involved in the musical, and, and that turned my entire life around. Of course, then I became a teacher, and, but what I've noticed is that there are so many students and teachers, especially in the performing arts, it's a magnet for people who, for everybody, it's just a holding place for everybody. Not everybody wants to be in sports or has the aptitude to be in sports. Or, right. right. But in, in, in the arts, anybody, you know, and can, can be in it, whether it's visual, performing, whatever that is. And so I thought, what would it look like? And I've been thinking about this for 20 years and I finally brought it to life. If I could go around and find extraordinary performing arts teachers and students and basically teach them how to be unapologetic, how to step into their own power, how to empower them into their own full vision of their life. And then on the back end of it, surprise them by uh, giving them the funding to fund dream projects. So last Monday, I was at a school in Chino Hills, just outside of Los Angeles at Ayala High School. And we went through this whole thing and I empowered them and we had a workshop and I was working with the choral director and, you know, working on their music. They were going to a festival. And then at the end of the day, we had one more gift. And that gift happened to be a $5,000 check because they want to commission a piece by a composer. And so, you know, and you should have seen, talk about way of being, talk about them lighting up. (laughs) <laughs> when somebody who doesn't know them from anybody, and I just found a school by putting a post on Facebook, hey, who knows a performing arts program that needs some support or whatever, an amazing teacher, amazing students. And that's the bigger project. That's what I'm up to. I'm building a foundation that I want to go out and think of it like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, but the Performing Arts Edition. And we're going to support performing arts across this country and eventually across the world because it's so important. The performing arts saved my life sure. when I was 16. I wasn't going to make it, and it absolutely saved my life. And That's I so want to go out and inspire people <clears throat> when they're 14, 15, 16 to be unapologetic, to share their message around the world. I love that. So speaking of that, everybody that's watching right now that on Facebook... You guys plug your favorite nonprofit, or you, you're, you're welcome to plug your business and what you do. Um, but if you have a favorite nonprofit, please share it. Um, <clears throat> I really, I'm really big on you guys networking and collaborating together. But a little something different. I would love for you to plug your favorite nonprofit that you work with. But again, you are welcome to plug your businesses. And if you're listening on the radio, you can join us over at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude um, on Facebook, and you can join in on the conversation. Um, David, it has been such a blessing having you on. I'm such a fan. I'm I'm rooting for you all the way. I hope to have you back on again soon. Um, For coming on the show, though, I'm going to give you a giraffe. A giraffe? Yes. 
like a, oh, I love giraffes. Yeah. Um, it's, and you cannot give it away and you cannot sell it. Okay. What are you going to do with it? A giraffe. Oh my gosh. I'm going to love it. I'm going to teach it to be unapologetic about being tall and unusual and amazing. And I'm going to share it with all my friends. I literally use giraffes and examples all the time. I always say to people, I'm like, whether you're black or white or a giraffe, it doesn't matter. It's so, it's so perfect. Oh my God. I had no idea. Okay. So I'm, <clears throat> the giraffe is my spirit animal. But when I came, this has been my, this is my ending question. Like I never, I, it's, what are you grateful for is the only scripted question is what I tell people. But the finishing question of the show is the draft question. Well, then someone sent me, Hey, I thought you should see this. And I was reading about the draft and I go, Oh my gosh, it's my spirit. Animal. <laughs> so now it has a whole other meaning, but that's cool to hear, man. I, and I love what you're going to do with the draft. That's, that's terrific. What are you going to name it? I'm going to name it Joshua. Oh, I love that. I love that. Joshua the giraffe. I love it. <laughs> David, you are a blessing, my friend. I am so grateful you came on the show, and I cannot wait to see you again. Man, thank you for having me. I can't wait to see you in town. we got to, like, hang out, have some dinner or something. Absolutely. Share our visions with the world, because I know we're both up to something. A so absolutely, man. for me to help you share your message, too. Thanks, my man. I appreciate you. Take care. Wow. Bye. He was freaking amazing. That was so much fun. Um, he had an appointment, so I could have kept him on here for two hours. But anyway, you guys are absolutely amazing. Jimmy the Ninja, great to see you. Jane Stewart, Bonnie, always, always grateful to see you. Michelle, my Spanish queen, good to see you. Robert Brooker, welcome. Uh, you guys are absolutely terrific. Thank you, everyone. Pony, Vince, my man, Tommy. Great to see you guys. You guys are absolutely terrific. Nick Harris, always a blessing to see you. Um, who else is here? Mary Sterling, always good to see you. Sean, you guys, thank you so much. You guys, please share this video. He was terrific. Um, if you enjoyed the video, you feel if someone should watch it, tag somebody or just share it. He was awesome. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Just so grateful for all of you. Have a good day. Right now, Cholula, one of America's favorite hot sauces, is teaming up with Jack in the Box for the Cholula Buttery Jack. With Cholula Hot Sauce, Crispy Jalapenos, and Pepper Jack Cheese on a signature bun. Try it with Cholula Fries. Jack, can you cool it with the guitar, please? Sorry, just got a little uh, excited about the burger. <clears throat> Try the Cholula Buttery Jack from Jack in the Box, part of the Buttery Jack family. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Unbelievable. I'm done. I'm done.